Today I am celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Raptors NBA title. One of the most fun rides that I have had the pleasure of being a part of as a sports fan. Tomorrow is the official one-year anniversary. And to help celebrate while Kurt Appleby worked the phones, and he and I got the privilege of speaking with longtime Raptors color commentator Jack Armstrong. Now, Jack, when I say that, one year since the Raptors' victory, what comes to mind? Uh, what a different world it is a year later, huh? I mean, it's uh, just absolutely remarkable that uh, what is true in the last year, and uh, it, it feels like it was five years ago. Um, there's so much that has happened between now and then, and um, literally it's, even though fresh in my mind, it's also in the rearview mirror at this stage based upon everything our society has been through in the last 12 months. And uh, uh, it's it's a nice, positive memory, though, to reflect on and, and uh, brings a smile to your face and, and the joy and the excitement and, and, um, and, and truly what the power of sport is. And uh, you think of how uh, united uh, the country was uh, from coast to coast. And I'll never forget Matt saying uh, when we got on the air, uh, for game six uh, to do the game. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he said there were like 59 official watch parties and, you know, obviously countless hundreds of others, uh, you know, where people met uh, at a bar or in each other's house or in a backyard party or whatever. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, it's just remarkable. It was, it felt like a, a world cup final, an Olympic gold medal game. And, uh, uh, it was just a joy and an honor to be part of it. When you first started your broadcast career with the Raptors back in the year 2000, you know, did you ever imagine that this Raptors franchise could potentially pull out a championship? I mean, always seemed to be kind of a mediocre team at best, but then, you know, when they made that trade for Kawhi, it really took them over the top. But when you first started there, did you ever envision the Toronto Raptors being a championship caliber team? Well, I actually started in 1998. Uh, I know Wikipedia has it wrong. <laughs> that's uh, my uh, poor research right there. No, no, that's, uh, don't rely on Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, but 22 years I've been with the Raptors, and uh, I always felt that the, the market was a sleeping giant and was probably one of the most underperforming professional franchises in sports, not just the NBA, but in sports, because it had such potential but it had to get out of its own way and kind of figure out uh, what the strengths of the market were, what some of the challenges were, and address them. And I think when you brought in the leadership team of, of Masai Ujiri and his crew, and uh, you know Dwayne Casey was an amazing coach, and now you have Nick Nurse, you had incredible leadership, uh, and you've always had committed ownership from Larry Tannenbaum and the folks at Bell and Rogers, and it just kind of was a perfect storm. And to me, when I reflect on all of it now, it's just uh, you kind of don't you don't have time to reflect on it when you're living it, when you when you're within it every day. But um, now that you're away from it, it's a, a really cool and remarkable experience to go through. Uh, winning teams will always put butts in seats, but I don't think to the sort of degree of explosion that, that we saw in Toronto and in Canada. What are what are some things that make Toronto such a great basketball market? Well, uh, it's not just Toronto. It's Canada. It's the entire country. I mean, we're, uh, this job is unique. It's the only franchise in the NBA that uh, 82 games are carried on national TV. 
it's the only franchise in the NBA when you talk about the playoffs that every game is on national TV uh, from a Raptor perspective uh, from game one of the playoffs all the way to the final game of the finals. Every other market in the U.S. is only allowed to carry the first round. Um, so when you look at it, I think uh, you're able to uh, have a coast-to-coast following. You look at the NHL in Canada, there's seven teams. Some people love the Canucks. Some people hate the Canucks. Some people love the Leafs. Some people hate the Leafs. Leafs. Uh, but people come together and root for the Raptors just like they would Team Canada in a gold medal game. Uh, and and I think the Blue Jays, unfortunately, they've struggled of late. But even you even you even saw that during their last playoff run, uh, how the whole country came together to get behind them. Even though they have Toronto next to their name, people in Calgary and Edmonton and Halifax and Ottawa and everywhere else came together to root for Canada's team. But God forbid those people in Calgary ever root for the Leafs. That's not going to happen. <laughs> which is fine with me. Yeah, uh, but I, I just think I think that's the truly unique thing about this franchise, and it's it's a a place that uh, uh, is is a you know huge market. It's the you know third largest market in pro sports. You got New York, L.A., Toronto, and then Chicago. Um, it's it's a multicultural place. It's an international, cosmopolitan, world class city. In, a, in an amazing country. So when you when you tie it all together, uh, to me, uh, it, it, that's why I always felt it was a sleeping giant. I mean, don't tell me about Detroit or Memphis or uh, you know you know places like that. Give me a break. You know uh, why can't Toronto win? Why can't they be great? And I give Masai Ujiri a lot of credit for kind of having that bold mentality of saying, hey, we're going to win here. And uh, getting Kawhi Leonard surely helped. Yeah, and, and just to stick with that whole cross-country thing, and you mentioned the Blue Jays, was there anything Masai particularly learned from from how they sort of encapsulated the, the entire country that he was able to take and, and, and progress in, in the way that he did? Uh, honestly, that I don't know, because I've never spoken to Masai about that particular point. I would imagine uh, that he saw the same things all of us saw, and I'm sure, and I know many people with the Raptors saw that. And uh, but we saw that. Uh, I mean, the Raptors have been this. This you know, you know, knock wood. As long as we have the games in Orlando, this will be the seventh year in a row the Raptors have made the playoffs. So since 2014, uh, I think the Raptor organization has seen the national following that it has uh, when it's gotten into the playoffs and even in big regular season games. So uh, I think they know that this thing is, and and the the funny thing is then when you have people from the NBA community from the United States that come in and finally recognize and see what's going on, I think they're they're blown away by uh, just the impact and the power of this market. Now, Jack, you brought up Kawhi Leonard there, of course. Big disappointment when he decided to, to leave Toronto last summer and, and go to the Clippers. I don't think anyone really holds it too much against him for making that decision to go home, but still very disappointing from the fan perspective. But, you know, we looked at this team when Kawhi left and thought, you know, it's still a really good team. We knew it was a good team. It was going to be a playoff, um, you know, top top team in the East still. 
I don't know if anyone ever thought that they would be as good as they were throughout the course of this 1920 season. Were you at all surprised with how good they have been throughout the course of the regular season? And what do you think their prospects are with if and when the NBA playoffs do get underway? I'll tell you what, I've had, I've, I've, my, I've had as much fun, if not more fun, this season than I did last year. This team has been uh, just an absolute joy uh, to call games for. And um, uh, to me, it's just been uh, just a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, so I, I, I think this team is a contending team. You know, they have the third best record in the NBA second best record in the East. They have the same record they did a year ago when they had Kawhi uh, and, and they've been decimated by injuries. So I think, you know, none of us know what it's going to look like when we come out of this because we've never experienced it. So which team is favored by it? Which team is hurt by it? Your guess is as good as mine, but uh, I like their chances. I like their makeup. Uh, they have tremendous chemistry um, they have guys that have experience. Uh, they have a terrific coach and Nick Nurse, uh, veteran leadership, good young players, uh, proven players in big moments. So uh, I think when they go to Orlando, I think they've got to feel like, hey, man, we have as good a chance as anybody else. Who benefited the most from Kawhi's departure? I, I think of guys like Pascal Siakam, though he was an up-and-coming player, he's really able to solidify his, his spot in the lineup and, and, and be the monster that he's been. And I also think of Nick Nurse because he wasn't getting enough credit last year for just as how good of a coach he actually is that you might have seen it a little bit more now that the, the star power isn't where it was exactly last year. Well, yeah. I mean, Nick Nurse is a terrific coach. And uh, I think he's someone that uh, has proven himself uh, time and time again now uh, in in the playoffs and, uh, you know, and, and once again this season. So uh, to me, I, I, I think uh, he's, he's, a, he's a rock star. He's a, he's a big-time coach. And then, you know, Pascal Siakam, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's taken on that next level of responsibility and, done a beautiful job and made the all-star game deservedly so and then when you even go beyond that and you know who benefited the most from uh Kawhi leaving and even a guy like Danny Green I would say Norm Powell who's improved significantly and OG Ananobi who uh in uh since the when he when he came back from the all-star break I saw a guy that really was starting to take those next steps so um to me you know, those guys learned a lot playing with, with Norm, Powell, uh, Norm Powell and OG learned a lot playing with a Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. And now, uh, you know, those guys have done a really nice job of filling in. Uh, Jack, as we look ahead towards the end of July here, of course, the NBA has put out the uh, caveat that if NBA players don't, aren't feeling comfortable about returning to action, they don't have to come back and they will not be penalized for it. Of course, we're talking about professional athletes who are driven to win. So I imagine most, if not all, will be motivated to show up and compete. But I'm just wondering, because there has been some concern out there from players about the health and safety aspect of things. Do you foresee any pushback from players or any players out there who may not want to be coming back and, and playing in Orlando when things do get back underway? Well, you know, the, the kind of, I haven't seen a quote from anyone from the league saying that, and I haven't seen any player specifically being quoted on it. Uh, all I heard weeks ago was that, you know, all the top players in the league wanted to play, 
And uh, now suddenly you have a, a, these things being leaked. Now, whether it's fact or fiction, only time will tell. It could also be a negotiating ploy, you know, where uh, you say, hey, I, I, you're making me go to Orlando. I might be there for three months. Uh, we have to really look long and hard at uh, what this arrangement's going to be. Uh, I got to have a little bit more flexibility and freedom um, in this quote unquote bubble. So uh, I, I'm sure some players feel uncomfortable with it. If they do, uh, that's a decision that they uh, have to make and can make. Um, many will uh, have to wrestle with where they are contractually and what the impact can be on their career long term. Uh, others uh, have bigger considerations, you know, with regard to their own health and the health of their family, uh, being able to be with their family. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. It's not, a, it's not an easy, clear-cut thing. Jack, if you had to pick one of these three to repeat this year, who would you pick? You got Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, or the Toronto Raptors. If you had to pick one, who would you pick? Uh, I, I got out of the prediction business a long time ago. Well, not too long ago, because uh, people wanted to shoot me. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's a loaded question. I, 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 I think that they're the top three of the top four teams in the league that you mentioned. The only one you didn't mention was the Bucks. Uh, and I think going into this, uh, you're, you're talking about three of the top four contenders. Uh, and, and again, none of us know how any of these teams are going to react to this whole thing and how, which teams will come together and which teams will. We're probably going to have a big upset uh, at some point during the playoffs because home court doesn't exist anymore. You know, we're playing in a neutral environment. So uh, the edge you get for playing at home doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, uh, we could have a, a significant injury because guys are coming back uh, from something that none of us have ever dealt with before. So that could compromise a player, and obviously that could compromise a team. But I think if all things are equal, um, and quite frankly they're unequal right now because our better teams are not being given an edge, that they earned because of home court. Um, I, I, I still think those three teams are right at the top of the list, but the edge that they had isn't as great as I think it would have been uh, with having home court. Do you know the media situation at all, Jack? If, if you'll be there in Orlando with the teams calling, calling uh, games? I'll be, for the country? I'll be shocked if I'm there, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, you look at the fact that, Turner, uh, uh, which is you know part of the NBA TV deal, uh, along with ESPN, uh, those two companies in a nine-year, twenty-four billion-dollar U.S. TV deal. Uh, I heard Kevin Carlin talking about it the other day that uh, he would be calling games uh, first few rounds of the playoffs from Atlanta, the studio there. So I mean, those are like major, major rights holders. So I haven't I haven't heard one way or the other, but based upon um, you know how tight a bubble it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be pretty much just uh, players and uh, coaches and medical staff and and a few of the executives and uh, that'll be it. Uh, so I I'll be surprised. I, again, I don't I don't have any firm answer one way or the other from anybody. 
we'll, only time will tell. But based upon the numbers that are out there from the NBA in terms of the small size of the travel parties, I'd be surprised. Uh, I don't necessarily need a response to this, Jack, but I know um, as, a, as a diehard Raptors fan that, that yourself and Matt and Leo, and the, you're, you're part of the broadcast experience, and, and something like that gets taken away when, when you're not there. But I, I will move no, on. I, from- I, I, don't, I don't think that'll happen. Uh, I, I, I think it'll either be us uh, in Orlando or us doing it from studio, kind of like some of the secondary sports that you might watch in the Olympics. Uh, that they're not necessarily on site and they're calling it from studio. So uh, I, I think we'll be part of the of the games and those games will be carried on national television and radio across Canada. Uh, I just don't don't know yet if we'll be calling the games from Orlando or calling the games from wherever. But uh, uh, that hasn't been determined yet. Uh, but based upon you know, kind of looking at what's going on with the Turner Network and what they, they plan on doing. If they're doing that, I'm sure it'll be similar for a lot of places. Uh, one more quickly here, Jack, before we let you go. As much as the Raptors have done for basketball in this country over the past year, uh, Vince Carter did a lot for the game when he first came to Toronto, and it looks like he's played his last game in the NBA. How, how can you quantify uh, his contributions to the game and the game in this country? Well, you know, when I when I, I would advance play for seven teams in the NBA, uh, when you close your eyes and, you know, do word association and think of Vince Carter, what team pops up in your head? Uh, even if you're not from Canada, I would say uh, I would say ninety five percent of basketball fans don't think of Vince Carter, the Grizzly, the King, the Hawk, uh, the Sun, the, the Magic or the Nets. I don't think any, uh, I, I, very few people think of Vince Carter in any of those teams. I might even miss one, but uh, I think overwhelmingly people close their eyes and go, Vince Carter, Word Association, Toronto Raptors. Uh, so to me, the impact he made was dramatic, significant, uh, off the charts, big time. I don't, have en- I don't have enough adjectives to describe uh, the kind of impact that he had, but uh, needless to say, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's sad that it finally had to end. It, oh, it ends oh, for every athlete, uh, but he's had a marvelous career. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I hope he goes into the Hall of Fame and uh, he's recognized uh, in the Hall of Fame as a, a great Raptor and the impact he made on the, MB, uh, on the sport growing uh, and, and continuing to grow across the country. Jack, you've been so generous with your time here today. We, we can't thank you enough, and we really look forward to hearing you and seeing you on the, uh, the tel- television in the next couple months here. Thanks so much, sir. Guys, thanks so much. Knock wood. I hope, uh, hope that's the case. And uh, stay well, stay safe, and look forward to chatting soon. That was Jack Armstrong right there, longtime color commentator for the Toronto Raptors, covering the team since 1998.